Fantasy Focus. This is the Fantasy Focus Baseball Podcast with your hosts, Eric Carabell and Tristan H. Cockroft, also known as the guy who knows nothing about polls or injuries whatsoever. All right. So, yeah, that was Tristan singing, kind of. The Fantasy Focus Baseball is live for Thursday, April 9th, 2020. He is Tristan, our resident fantasy baseball expert. Kyle Soppy is our producer and researcher. I'm Eric Carabell, someone how to host but not sing. On today's show, um, I remain addicted to the baseball reference simulations for the season so much that we actually had a 10-team draft two nights ago about it. Uh, a fantasy draft based on the baseball reference simulations. Uh, we did that the other night with some friends. So we'll discuss the latest interesting stats. Chris Davis of Oakland just homers every day now. Uh, later on, Kyle will read your hash browns, and uh, Tristan and I will aim to answer them. And um, first up is uh, the buzz. Tristan, will you sing that, please? Buzz before trivia, huh? <laughs> you could do trivia first if you like oh we're full of all sorts of tunes and things like that let's do the trivia first trivia trivia that eric surely won't know all right don't call me Shirley. what's the trivia please all right the trivia is pitching related this time i did hitters the last time might as well do pitchers I would like you, and Kyle, you're involved in this too. We, we should mention Kyle Sapi doing all the masterous work behind the scenes here. Uh, I would like you guys to know the five active pitchers, and they're all definitively active and on 40-man rosters, who in their career have had at least one season of 125 relief strikeouts. That's at least 125 strikeouts done all in relief. Who are the five pitchers who have had a year of this? Active players. I guess. I guess Mason Saunders isn't one of them. Uh, okay, that's a good question. <laughs> let, me, let me think. I, I'm going to admit something. So, ten minutes before the show, our good pal Tom, the intern. Uh, hopefully, he's doing well down in Florida with his young family. He tweeted out. Um, he tweeted out a good trivia question here. Most seasons of uh, most seasons in their career, 15 homers, 20 steals, 90 runs, 90 ribs, and that got rid of a lot of players. And a 280 batting average, which disqualified others. Like Ricky Henderson was disqualified because of the batting average. I didn't even bother. And I thought about it for a couple of minutes, and I was like, and he already, and he mentioned like the guys who were second, third, and fourth, like uh, A. Rod and Willie Mays and Bonds. And uh, I thought about it, and I had a couple names, and he even wrote in the tweet, "Don't cheat." And after ten minutes, I che- I cheated right away, <laughs> and I started looking. <laughs> I, looked up, I must have looked up fifteen players, and they were all wrong. And the answer was in my own backyard. Unbelievable. And and a great trivia question. But and you didn't get it either. And I'm I'm still not sure that I know the answer to this question. This player had nine seasons of at least fifteen homers, twenty steals, ninety runs, ninety RBI, and a two eighty batting average, and he was within your own backyard. It's and Von was, Hayes, clearly. He was he was not it's not Von Hayes. Um, <laughs> or Steve Jeltz. And he was in the, he was up for the Hall of Fame discussion uh, this past season. Now he's not gonna make it in. Um, and, and he was, he was always a better fantasy player than real life player. Um, you know, like he won a gold glove. He didn't earn, um, was he on any winning teams? Like the Phillies Phillies traded him right before they won the world series. Anyway, right before they won the world series. I love watching was huge for this. I had him on a sim team where the walks mattered. Like I just batted him third for like eight years in a row. What a great play. Statistically a great player. Traded um, him before the World Series, before the World Series win, or before the World, which before they won, yeah, like a year before. Which one? That's the question. It would be the more recent one. Not not nineteen eighty. Oh, 
Oh, oh, oh. It's obvious, man. Oh. Come on. I've given you every possible answer. It, it's it's Shane, obvious. Is it's it Shane Victorino? Get it. No. No, it's not Shane Victorino. Gosh, how am I playing? Much, much earlier in the alphabet, both names. Does play in the alphabet. It's not Darren Dalton much, either. Much earlier, so it's not Chase Utley. That's not much earlier. That's earlier. <laughs> All right, let's let's move there. on, and maybe you'll get it by the end on the trivia. Two but, trivia questions to answer at the end of the show. All right, um, sing the buzz, please. Buzz, yeah, buzz, 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 buzz. All right, so that was you. So we're doing this where we can see each other, which I'm not sure is an aid in this case. You're you're playing like a mythical guitar while you sang that song. Is that what you were doing? I was. Yeah, I, I need to raise the air guitar a little bit and get the the. Hand. It's tough to in this window get the hands. Looks like you're hand. like squeezing some melons there, but one arm is higher than the other. So when you go to the grocery store, do you squeeze your melons at like at a different angle? I'm gonna you know, get in trouble. All right, let's move yeah, on. Yeah, don't, don't get in trouble there. I'm telling you, I, I just I, I grab the produce and I bring it home. I'm not, you know, like ugh, the handling of food right now. Not a good idea. Let's no, yeah, no people don't, don't do that. Don't squeeze the melons. Um, okay, so, so there is a there is a news in baseball. It is posted at ESPN's headline news, and it's a Jeff Passant story, Passant story uh, about um, could the season return in May or early June. Uh, it would be all games in Arizona, uh, potential seven-inning doubleheaders like the minor leagues, perhaps an electric strike zone as well. Tristan, let me get your thoughts on the story. I have a very well-done story, uh, but your thoughts here from a fantasy aspect, because this show is about fantasy. Buster only does his own show, which is not about fantasy. Your thoughts on how this would affect fantasy. Indeed, excellently done. And I and you know I hate using the must description, a must read. You definitely need to, as a baseball fan, read this. And I certainly appreciate and love the optimism about an upcoming baseball season. I do personally have some questions about the viability of it. Uh, and one particular that stands out to me is the whole potential separation of players from their families. But fantasy-wise, if we do get a year, that's our hope here. We want to play fantasy baseball for this year. We want to watch baseball and appreciate it. And if that's the case, and we are going to do uh, an Arizona-based baseball season, it is going to influence things like the strategy if they do doubleheaders and shorten them. It is going to influence things like the park factors. We're going to have to recalculate the projections. We've talked quite a bit about the length of the seasons, how that's going to uh, impact things fantasy-wise. There are a lot of little wrinkles that are going to be involved here. And if this is the direction we go, I'm sure we're going to have lots of shows diving deeply into those uh, upcoming. Um, from a fantasy aspect, people have been tweeting about this, so the least we could do is answer them. What, like, I don't want to say what this would mean. Somebody asked a question on Twitter about how would closers be used if it was a seven-inning game. My first thought was I don't want to see any seven-inning games, but it would, it would, they would still use them. Like, basically starting pitchers would go fewer innings, fewer pitches, maybe there'd be four-man rotations, something like that. Um, the other thing would be Colorado Rockies hitters and pitchers. It would change all that. We discussed that on the last show. Um, it would also change some of the players who play in extreme pitchers parks. And I would argue that those guys are probably going to have an even more significant impact positively, well, the hitters are, than the Rockies will. Right. You could make a case that if all games are played in Arizona to draft John Gray over Chris Paddock. Now, I won't do that. I, won't, I wouldn't change my rankings that much. But if it's a neutral environment and they're in the same one, could you make that case that John Gray's strikeout potential – matches Chris Paddock if neither one of them were allowing a lot of runs. You could make that case. I, I still would rather have Paddock. 
Yeah, and I agree with you, uh, but you can absolutely make the case. It's going to bring the gaps a little bit closer. It's going to narrow the gap between the two of them. All right. Um, anything else on that story, or can we move on? I think we can move on. Mm-hmm. All right, so let's talk about the simulation. So the 10-player the ten draft that we did the other day uh, was basically just a real draft on ESPN, but based on projections. So I looked like one of the extremists on this draft. I'm, I drafted Justin Upton like in round eight or nine because he's already got like six homers and 18 RBI. You got him if later they, than that. Be fair to yourself. You drafted him at a very good point. Uh, it was like around – it was in the top ten rounds, I thought. I mean – I think it was then, after 100 because I was looking at him when you took him. So I changed my philosophy. You know, I, I ended up at the first pick, and I texted a buddy and said it was in the draft, and I'm like, I guess I'll just take Trout. And then I thought, well, if I draft – if I don't rank Trout number one, and there were already like 10 or 12 games done in the simulation, and someone else had better numbers – who was a reasonable first pick. Like Francisco Lindor, based on the simulations, should have been the first pick. But then I thought, they're going to simulate it out for six months. I took Yelich because he already had four stolen bases in like 11 games. And I'm thinking, if they view him as a 40-40 threat, I want that over Trout. And because Trout's not going to steal 40 bases, even though he already had like two at the time. Anyway, it was a base for me. It was all simulation-driven. I wanted Nate Pearson like in round 12. Someone else got a hold of him earlier. Like Nate Pearson went like in round 12 because he's doing great so far for Toronto. And one of my questions when I was thinking is, why is Nate Pearson simulated in the majors for Toronto, but Spencer Howard and Mackenzie Gore aren't? Because I kind of view all three of them similarly in terms of opportunity. Like if it's a shortened season, why not bring all three up? But what was your draft strategy here? And because it wasn't like mine. Uh, I tried to treat this like it was uh, how I would approach a regular fantasy draft that was done 10 to 15 days into the season. And that was that I looked a little bit at the stats already in the tank, and then I would move players a round or two early on, and then later on I'd be a little bit more aggressive. So Pearson is a great example that you brought up. Pearson was a player I was looking at once we got to round 15 as somebody to take just because I knew that they had projected him in the Blue Jays' rotation and that he had good numbers to this point. And I like him a lot as a player. So I, I felt like the role was a little more de- determined by this sim than otherwise, which is the way I would approach it if it was a traditional fantasy draft. But I tried, like you described, not to lean too heavily into the stats. I saw what you're saying about the first round. I wasn't the guy who was going to start drafting Jordan Alvarez where he was because he's gotten off to a good start so far. I was avoiding, however, players who didn't play. I'm finding it very interesting how the Sim is deciding yeah. players who haven't played either because they're prospects or because they're hurt. Yeah, I assume Scott Kingery's hurt. I ignored Tommy Edmond because he wasn't being played. It was all based on projections. It's not a normal draft. Um, I'm the one who did take Jordan Alvarez at pick 21 in the turn. So I picked first, and then at the at, at the round two, three turn, I took Jordan Alvarez because he's off to a great start here. Obviously, the, the simulation loves him. And um, and I took Verlander, too, because they're not going to project any down numbers for the Houston players. They're not. And they shouldn't. Um, right. That was my approach to Altuve as well, and I think that's going to apply to traditional fantasy once we get to that point as well. I mean, like, I never would have drafted C.J. Crone, but I saw the, the, what he's doing so far. He's got, like, an RBI per game and a homer every other game. I'm like, I got to have him. Um, Tom Murphy is one of my catchers. Why not? <laughs> mm-hmm. um, let's talk about some of the stuff. Still a lot of home runs being hit. I'm looking at the sim for the last day or so. And Chris Davis of Oakland's up to seven home runs, so obviously they think nothing's wrong with him. 
but there were like eight home runs hit in that Oakland Angels game, which is not what I want to see. I don't want to see numbers like last year when it comes to the home runs, but obviously they're they're projecting that that will happen. Um, some more odd save guys, Nick Goody with three saves already for Texas. I saw. Yep. Um, that's Aaron odd. Bummer was one. Aaron Bummer, yeah, with like three saves, but like three walks and one strikeout, which was weird. Yep. Um, Pirates yeah, so spreading Puig him is, around. They put Puig on the Giants. That's um, unusual. And, well, it's not actually because the, I I just wrote up a story which I guess runs tomorrow um, on you know I'm doing every team for this uh, outlook uh, summer outlook thing for baseball and the Giants runs tomorrow. I already sent it in and. Their outfield's terrible. I mean, like, except if you believe that, like, Mike Yastrzemski can do that again. And when I look closer, I actually took a deeper dive into Mike Yastrzemski's season. And I understand he's, he's old. He's 29, old. And the Orioles gave up on him, and it's San Francisco's ballpark. Those numbers were legit, Tristan. I, I, you, can, you can disagree with me if you like, but he looks like a mature, late-blooming hitter to me who, if you gave him a full season, 2021, I think he bats 260 with maybe 30 home runs with this ball because San Francisco just moved the fences in a little bit all around. But he's not a guy who needs to be platooned. He hit lefties fine. He's a guy who hit fine at home and on the road. And he had his, his velocity, his exit potential, his exit velocity was fine. His launch angle was fine. He basically is not the same player he was a year earlier in AAA. So if you're looking at Mike Yastrzemski as one of the five biggest regression guys, and we could come up with a list after this. I'm not so sure he is. Like Kettle Marte is on that list. I mean, there's a, I mean, I can think of hitters. Is is Mike Yastrzemski on your list of the top, say, ten regression hitters this year? No, if only because I don't think he's regarded uh, as well as some of the other stronger candidates. And I actually, I don't think Marte is one of the top candidates either. Oh, oh he is. People are looking at Kittel Marte. If he's being drafted oh, in like oh, rounds. Now we're having an industry versus what you think opinion, though. That's right. You're, so you're not right. saying you believe this. Are you saying that this is the way the industry believes it or what you believe? I'm saying that if the industry is ranking Kettle Marte as, a, as like a fifth round pick, then they build in some regression, but not as much as I thought they would. Like, same with DJ LeMayhew. The, the industry has decided that Marte and LeMayhew are not doing that again, but they're not putting them in round 12 either. So they're, they're doing a good job of of how they regard these players. Right. Like, who who would be on your list then of the most, of the biggest regression guys, candidates? If not, gotcha. not Marte, yeah. LeMayhew, and Destrimsk, I don't know who you'd have. No, I know, and that's the problem. Is you know we're, we're throwing a top ten list of something that we're doing off off the cuff. I usually right. go. Sorry, right. that's not fair. We'll do that for the no, next show. Well, no, we should we should try to find some of those names. I I see your point on Yastrzemski, and I think it's a good one. And that is that I I think that people are skeptics about him in general. But if you took a closer look, and most people aren't because he's not ranked that generously, they're never going to get to that depth of research. I think you're going to find that he's a better player than you ex- expect. And that's why I went to the Yasiel Puig point that it doesn't make any sense to me is that, first of all, they signed him to a minor league contract during the sim and then promoted it subsequently to the major league roster. And the Giants are not going to invest that kind of money in him. It's just not happening. By the way, uh, some of the regression guys, Tim Anderson, A number one by far. All right, that's, that's, a, that's a perfect one. I agree with that one. Um, and Tim Anderson is, is, is not being drafted, I don't think, as a top 100 guy. Danny Santana. Perfect. That's a great, great one who I thought about taking the other night because 
But like I looked at it, he was batting like 125. There's only 12 games, very small sample. But I, he's exactly the type of guy the Sim would not like. Yes, because I think that the Sims are always going to take what the expected outcomes are for the players. They're not going to lean heavily on last year's numbers. They're going to adjust and regress this and then run a projection based off of that. Um, all right, keep going. So I, I still think Marte has to be on that list. I think that's the way people view it. Maybe 8, sure. nine, ten. Maybe 8, nine, okay. ten. Um, is Moncada on that list? Mankata, I'm looking at, and he probably would make the top 10, but I don't want to, uh, this is kind of how I feel about Marte. I don't want to dish out an unreasonable amount of, of, quote, hate towards these two players, because I think that they do both have a good amount of value. Marcus Semien, who I took in like round four or something, I think I took him in the round four or five turn, which is way early, but he's got like eight, he's leading this league, the simulated league in home runs. I had to. The number two guy on my list would probably be Dakota Hudson. Okay. Well, that whip doesn't match the ERA. He's that's Trevor Williams. I think he's a good pitcher. Wow. I think okay. he's capable. Well, I don't think Trevor Williams is a terrible pitcher. I think that Trevor Williams is subject to some of the outcomes, particularly by the defense that's behind him. And in Hudson's case, I think he's going to pay in terms of regression of his ERA. Okay. Yeah, we should use this, some pitcher ones as well here. Mike Miner. Oh, I don't agree with that. But okay. Yeah. I don't think I, I don't think a three five ERA is likely. I think it's going to be higher than that. Uh, okay, all right, that's fine. What about Bieber? There'll be some correction. I I, I don't think there's going to be severe regression. I I call him a top twenty, but not a top ten on this. Are list. we missing somebody obvious here? Brian Reynolds? Is anyone even thinking about him? Um, Reynolds is the batting average worry. Because he's, he's not a, bat, a guy who's going to 25 home runs. And Tommy Edmond, frankly, isn't doing what he did again either. Tommy Edmond is good, but he's not that good. He, he didn't do that in the minors. He didn't look like that. He's, he's almost, well, he's younger than Yastrzemski, but he's almost like Yastrzemski in a way. Like, he was a guy who still bases in the minors, and that was about it. I'm trying to open this up now to the relief pitchers because I also find that you you tend to have – one or two relief pitchers who qualify for this. Oh, come on. Give me my sorting here quicker. Ah. A, a regression candidate among relief pitchers? Yep. Um, Alex Colomay? I, he's fine. He's average. I don't know what's wrong with him. Nothing. Brandon Workman would fit better than Alex Colomay. Yeah, Brandon Workman's a good example. And and part of it with Brandon Workman is liking some of the other guys in that bullpen and thinking that they still have this natural leaning towards a committee. The problem is that they have a managerial change, and does that influence the, the closer strategy? Okay, that's fair. Like, Seth Lugo doing that again would, would be something odd. I mean, reliever volatility is... Right up there. I mean, that's the one cat, one position where you see the most volatility. Anything else you want to discuss in the simulations that we're seeing? Um, you know, I'm looking at the leaderboards here. I'm looking at the last couple of games. Uh, you know, I mean, Bumgarner, Madison Bumgarner had an 11 inning shutout, which that'll happen. 
I don't think it will. Actually, <laughs> <laughs> this reminds me of the the game. I, I forget which one we were playing. Where yeah, you'd have like Mike Lowell come in as your defensive catcher in the ninth inning. <laughs> we had a league like that way back in the day where we'd get the box scores afterwards, and I'd go and I'm like, wait a minute, why'd they move Mike Lowell to 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 catcher late in the game for me? I didn't even put him in my manager profile that way. <laughs> yeah, I'm still in that league. Um, you know, like that happens in desperation times of simulation. Oh, you know what? We get a lot of questions about this, so let's let's spend a few minutes on this. Simulation baseball to, to pass the time. And I want to point out our good friend at USA Today, Steve Gardner, invited us into a league. Mike Shalinski runs Dynasty League Baseball out of Florida. And it's a, it's, it's a great simulation. And I, you and I are playing in that league right now. And we should tell people what it is. It's based off of last year's numbers. Um, but we're playing the season out now, which we're also doing. So we're doing this in Dynasty League Baseball. Although I think that's just like an exhibition season. We're doing it for real on Diamond Mine Baseball, which you can also find online. Fun game. You and I have been in a couple of leagues for a long time, actually. We have a 30-team league there, and we have a, an in-office 12-team league, even though half the office is no longer in the office. And um, and by the way, that deadline, if you're listening to the show, is coming up this weekend. The um, it what is? Else? Come on, really? <laughs> what other um, what other leagues are we doing here? I, I don't want to forget about any. So Dynasty League Baseball, Diamond Mine Baseball, Out of, Out the, of Park. the Park, which is running the simulation for Baseball Reference. Uh, Stratomatic is another option. Uh, and I know I'm probably forgetting one. If, and sorry if that's so. We'll try to get the mention in for the next show. Right. So I have a league, um, a, an industry expert league, and it is on – I don't want to make sure I get this all right – this is on um, what's a scoresheet.com. Jeff Barton. Jeff Barton runs that out of California. And uh, so scoresheet is cool. Now they use live stats, which there aren't any as opposed to last year's numbers, mm-hmm. but they've been doing in my league um, running like exhibition stats off of last year's numbers, which is kind of cool too. So, um, and, and I don't have a second baseman because my second baseman for this season is Kevin Biggio. But last year at this time, he wasn't playing. So they're using a AAA player for that. It, it's not real. It's just, you know, some fun stuff to look at. But Jeff Barton does a great job there as well. And I'm sure, sure we're forgetting somebody. But simulation is a lot of fun, simulation baseball. And uh, so the two Diamond Mine Leagues we have going are lots of fun. I make the playoffs and then lose in the playoffs. People and, ask uh, a lot how they can get into some of these leagues. And the suggestion I have from our – we have the most extensive experience in leagues in Diamond Mind is I typically direct people to the message boards within each of these games to try to find themselves an open league. There are probably a lot of people out there who are searching for new leagues that can start just to, to keep them occupied right now and thinking about baseball and playing and strategizing. So take a look there. I would check each website for, for possible openings. Right. Dynasty League Baseball, Diamond Mind. Um, they're off of last year's out of the park, off of last year's numbers. I believe what if I got an email from them that they're doing some stuff too. What if baseball? So there's lots of stuff out there to keep you busy. And this, this game with you, me and Gardner has been keeping me busy. My Phillies are five and one, even though like on baseball reference, they're like three and 10. And, uh, I just lost Aaron Nola for a week. So. Oh, injury! I haven't gotten to that point yet. <laughs> and Adam Hazley out for 19 games. Oof. And. This team is not deep. I'm going to have to play like Nick Martini in center field, but we'll see what happens. All right, let's get Kyle in here and uh, talk about your hash browns, and we'll get you some answers and uh, for whenever things start up again. But we're going to – our plan is to keep doing the show Mondays and Thursdays until they tell us not to. 
So, Kyle, what questions do we have for today? Yeah, thanks for Josh. Actually, start up tomorrow. He's got a startup dynasty points league, and he wants to know how he should approach prospects. He wants the youth, obviously, in a dynasty format, but he also wants to compete from the get-go. You know, in the first couple of rounds, I don't change a thing. I, I, I plan to win now. My biggest change in a, dy- in a dynasty league that starts now would be to start taking, like, Adley Rushman in, like, round 13 or something like that. It w- or Jesus Lizardo, I would take him a little bit earlier than, like, Jesus Lizardo over Charlie Morton in a dynasty league. You can make that case. Charlie Morton might have a year left. Lizardo might be just as good, and he's got 15 years left. So, uh, but in the first couple rounds, like, I, I wouldn't change anything. Like, the first pick, Trout, Yelich, or Acuna. Whoever you think is best, it's not like Yelich and Trout are old. And Acuna actually might have some regression. We didn't discuss that, Tristan, but the Sims, he has zero walks and 19 strikeouts in the baseball ref simulation, which I thought was really weird. Why are you shaking your hand? I'm just waving hi to you. (laughs) We discussed this before. I said batting average worries me just a little bit with Acuna. It does. I I love the guy in in a... Dynasty or Dynasty League, and and the key here is that it comes down to the format. Is it true Dynasty keep forever? Is it a Dynasty where you're keeping, say, five years? There's contracts involved. The style of the league, but also your competitive angle, I think, comes into play. And I think one of the interesting strategies we don't talk about enough is if you want to compete in the short term, approach every draft pick like you're drafting for now or preferably the next three seasons. But if you get to a spot in your draft where you really don't like the available players, the most logical picks, that's a time to take a high-end dynasty player. That's the time to take your prospects, including as far as Jason Dominguez. Could you make the case, Tristan, because it's a points league, that Garrett Cole would be the first pick? Yes. Yes, I could. I, I think in in the true dynasties, it's a little less wise to take starting pitching and build around starting pitching. But yes, because it's points, Cole gets a huge advantage. And by the way, if you're doing a dynasty league, you got to look at age. And that's part of the reason now, like Cole is young, like Verlander, Scherzer, Kershaw, Granke. These are older players. So, you know, you might want to think about Jack Flaherty in round two or Walker Bueller in round two, because these are aces mm-hmm. that are young. And they're going to be doing this for longer than Verlander will. So I'm not saying avoid Verlander in a dynasty league, but kind of like he, he's not one of the top five starting pitchers or Scherzer in a dynasty points league. It speaks to your point about Lazardo versus Morton. That is an excellent contrast of players based on the league style, the dynasty style, is that Lizardo, it would be Lazardo all the way in a league that that's locking these players for the longest period of time. Next up, we've got Bill. He notes that Tristan's always talking about taking a single ace and filling the rest of his staff around that ace. He wants to know how many pitchers fit your quote-unquote ace mold for, well, let's call it 2020 or 2021. Yeah, what's the definition of an ace, basically? I mean, is it, it's not necessarily a top 10 starting pitcher because there are seasons, Tristan, where I think there's only seven or eight worthy starting pitchers of the top 10, and then there's other years where I think there's 15. Like, I thought last year there were more pitchers that were deserving of top top 10 status. This year, I I mean, an ace to me is a almost like no faults, right? I mean, that's how I – like, I can't – can you call Shane Bieber or Luis Castillo aces? No. 
not in this particular style of drafting. This strategy, you need to avoid players like that. You can do it, but you put yourself at considerable more risk and you give yourselves considerably greater homework uh, by going in that direction. So who are your eight, who would you call an ace right now? So you want the you want guys who have the most quote and nobody's truly safe as a pick, but the most safety to them. So Cole, DeGrom, and Verlander are pretty obvious choices at the top of this list. But I would also throw perhaps Max Scherzer, little uncomfortable with that. I would definitely throw Walker Bueller and I would definitely throw Jack Flaherty and then I would draw the line. Yeah, I tend to agree. Although I think Kershaw, if here, look, we can have another argument like we did on Monday show. If you want. <laughs> I, Kershaw versus Scherzer. Wait, the argument was about Kershaw on Monday. Now maybe I'm just too high on Clayton Kershaw. We the, so the, let's finish up the, with the. You know what, Kyle, you do this because yeah, I don't. But, but the strategy of this particular thing precludes you from taking Clayton Kershaw because where we were debating, and I, uh, by the way, there's a horrendous misread on the the market of Clayton Kershaw by me. Just how people are regarding injuries. But if we are all going to project that Clayton Kershaw misses some time, he doesn't perfectly fit the strategy. The idea here is to get ace caliber performance for 30 plus starts. If we know for sure, or if you're assuming he's not going to make 30 starts, he really doesn't fit my definition for this strategy. Then Max Scherzer doesn't fit your definition. And you're correct. That is, that is exactly why I said I'm a little bit hesitant because to put him there. What happened in 2019 with Scherzer, to me, looks like that's going to be the new normal. And I hate saying that, but I'm just saying that if you th- if you if I look at Clayton Kershaw as a 27-28 starter uh, next season, I'm doing the same with Scherzer, man. Mm-hmm. So I like for 2021, and I'm going to basically start thinking about my rankings for 2021 at some point soon. I'm going to have to rank Scherzer like five or six as starting pitcher and Kershaw nine or ten. And I'm not going to have a big difference in the overall. And maybe Scherzer has to be lower than that. Maybe it's time in 2021 for me to rank Bueller and Flaherty and Bieber ahead. Now, Bieber's only done it once. I'll grant you that. But ahead of Scherzer because that's another year of age. And it doesn't matter to me that Scherzer didn't have to throw 175 innings in 2020, which he won't, obviously. So – I'm going to have to downgrade Scherzer and Verlander for 2021 pitching rankings. And I can make the argument that Verlander doesn't belong in the ace category for next year. That's another year of age. And you can say, okay, again, he didn't use his arm that much, but he's still older. So, yeah, that's a big change for me. Even if we skip this entire season, Verlander, Scherzer, Morton have to be downgraded for 2021. I yeah, I wonder a little bit about whether Morton will pitch in twenty twenty one. I mean that that was a conversation already during this offseason. I think uh Verlander will be a it'll be a curious debate entering next year. Whether the lost year, if there if that's what happens, and I really hope it's not, but it might, then does that help him because he's not using what's in the tank or what's remaining in the tank, or does the additional year of age how much does it downgrade him? Probably not a lot for me, but I like where you're going with the what Scherzer is today might be what Verlander is next year. And by the way, if to so the guy who had that question a little bit earlier, if you're doing it, if you're starting up a dynasty league now, I wonder if you can even draft guys like Charlie Morton or Ryan Braun or they may not. It's fifty fifty right now that we even have a season. You might be using a tenth round pick on Charlie Morton, and he might never play for you. I didn't even think about that 10 minutes ago. Yeah, that's but, correct. And, and by the way, 
I want baseball back as much as you or anybody else. But if it's like a 50-game season, I don't know, man. I, I Look, I, I'm going to live just fine if they skip the year, all right? Sports will return at some point when it's safe to do so. But, yeah, if I'm starting a league right now, man, I mean, even Verlander, like some of these guys may not want to come back and risk it. They've got enough money for generations as it is. We might see some surprising guys walk away from the game in 2021 that we hadn't even thought about. It's possible. I really hope that's not the result or anything, and I'll happily take 50 games if that's what it is, but we just don't know. I'll take 50 games if it's legit. If it's seven inning games, no. Yeah, I don't. I don't like the seven inning arrangement. I, I want it to be a traditional season. I would rather see them play a ten game baseball season under the regular rules. If if that's what it has to be, then do this seven inning thing. Yeah, I agree with you. All right, let's move on. What's next? All right, Matt, Matt wants to know a player both early on and later that you find on most of your rosters that you've drafted now or that you've mocked at this point. Who do I keep ending up with on my teams? Did I write a story about this? <laughs> I might have. <laughs> oh, yeah, I did. I wrote a do draft and a do not draft. And I think on the do draft, I guess I could look for it and see if it's still around. But are you ending up with those players would be the question. Well, I, I think I wrote the do draft as if, yes, I was going to end up with those players. Now, I don't, I don't see it anywhere. But um, – let me let me look for it a little bit closer. But I, I, I your late round guy is Spencer Howard. I hadn't heard of him, and I've seen him on every Carabelle roster I've ever looked at in the history of 2020. Well, Who's my mine, theory, Kyle? I I don't know yours as well. I don't know why Spencer Howard jumps off the page. Maybe because I think it's like a I don't I don't know why he jumps off the page every time. Spencer Howard to me is the NL version of Nate Pearson. And my theory is, if you assume that it's a short a half a season, then there's no innings limit or innings cap on Mackenzie Gore, Spencer Howard, you know, any of these young starting pitchers. Michael Kopech can pitch in a regular rotation for the White Sox because there's no reason for him not to. He's not going to get to 150 innings anyway. Nobody is going to get to 150 innings this season. So, all right, I just found my due draft list. Juan Soto. Um, who do I keep? Well, who do I keep ending up with? I keep ending up up with Nelson Cruz or Chris Davis of Oakland. But make that clear. I'm not afraid to take a DH early if I don't get Cruz early for whatever reason. If Chris Davis is there in round 12, I'm all over it. Um, Kevin Biggio, but I, I've been doing leagues that aren't just batting average. Kevin Biggio might hit 220, but with 20 homers, 20 steals, and 80 runs over a full season, like in 2021. I think Kevin Biggio is a potential breakout guy for every category except batting average. If he could just hit 260, that's a monster player. Nick Solak. Nick Solak's on that Yeah, list. you're a big Solak guy. I've seen him on a few of your teams. I don't think they're assuming him well. as a, as a, They're not, they're not no, assuming they're him not. he's playing. Um, Mark Kana of Oakland. I like. In Sims, by the way, I tend to fade players with position or defensive questions. Roles worry me more in Sims than they do in reality. Um, I think people just think Lance Lynn can't do this again, so I keep ending up with him. Mm -hmm. How about you? Who you keep ending up with? Uh, so the guy, I Josh Bell. Kind of surprised, Kyle. You wouldn't remember Josh Bell. Why, why likes is him. that? Because nobody well, likes him. That, nope, it's not that nobody likes him. Okay, nobody's viewing him the way – nobody's treating him like Pete Alonzo. 
But why is Josh Bell not Jose Abreu or Paul Goldschmidt? That's a good question. Why aren't they? Because that's where I've been drafting them, drafting him, and nobody out there seems to agree. I've I've seen him routinely go ninety to a hundred overall. Then he's on that regression list of people that of the industry. Yeah, he's high I don't up. Agree. I I do not think he regresses. Okay, well you don't have to. The uh, the later round one for me is Josh James. I'm finding I'm getting a lot of Josh James uh, shares, and that includes in their sim draft. Mine is Jose Urquidy in the same rotation. Yes, I like that. I like that. I have him everywhere. He, he's a guy who, who gets strikeouts. He's clearly in the rotation. Probably the, the number three starter at this point. Yeah. So they contrast well. I, I think mine is more of the wider range, higher ceiling, lower floor, and yours is the. More along the middle lines, but great opportunity. I think they both belong valued around the same range. Okay, cool. All right, kind of a similar question to the ace question earlier. John wants to know how many closers do you consider safe enough to draft with confidence? <laughs> are closers safe at all, really? They're not safe. <laughs> all you yeah. know, people are going to view Josh Hader as safe. I, I guess – I wouldn't use the word safe for Josh Hader. I wouldn't use it for Kirby Yates. I wouldn't use it for a lot of these guys. If you tell me who's actually safe, I think Aroldis Chapman's safe. He doesn't get give you a ton of innings, but he's safe. I think Roberto Asuna is safe. Did you say uh, you said Yates? You said no on Yates. I I, I guess, no but like. Yeah. Is he safe? He's been doing this for a year and a half. I think he's safe. And, and I will say that the loss of Andres Munoz to Tommy John surgery does somewhat heighten his chances of holding that job. No, because Emilio Pagan, Emilio Pagan was probably next in line for saves anyway. He was, but any fewer candidate. I mean, I, I think Pomerantz could do it. I think Pagan could do it. And I thought Munoz could do it. Now you're talking about two strong alternatives as opposed to three. That does help Yates. But I see your point on Pagan. The point would be, the more people in a bullpen that can save games is bad for the closer because they can pull a lot sooner. That's my point. Mm -hmm. So, like, I guess you could say that, you know, Zach Britton's looming in the Yankees and Ryan Presley's looming for the Astros, but I, I just view those teams as saying, here's our guy and that's it. Yeah, that's that's like those two are just emergency scenarios. I think they're pretty clearly Chapman and Asuna. I'd say Kenley Jansen is quote safe. I think that's his job. I think that's Liam Hendricks' job. I think that's Taylor Rogers' job. Okay. Yeah, that's, I could I could see that. All right. But, but beyond that, there's a lot. Yeah, I mean, of Hector Neris is not safe. Hansel Robles is not safe. Kenley Jansen, I I don't use the word safe, but. I I, I see what you mean. I I think that there's a mentality within the Dodgers that he is the guy and it would take a lot to tilt that in somebody else's direction. If he continues to pitch poorly as he did at certain points last year, then I'd be with you. That's where we're saying there's nothing truly safe. Okay. Fair enough. Last one here comes from Will. He notes that Eric brought up which Marte would you rather have in Arizona in his recent article. Given ADP, who do you prefer? Well, I, you have to take Starling Marte over Kettle Marte. Um, I, I can't – I mean, you're talking about – Starling Marte has, has averaged like 30 stolen bases over the past like, what, seven or eight years, right? So mm-hmm. that was in the, my Arizona article the other day. 
And um, I think everybody would take Starling Marte. Well, maybe not everybody because if Cattell Marte does that again. But um, nobody thinks he's going to do quite – if Cattell Marte had stolen 19 bases, we'd be viewing him a whole lot differently, Tristan. But he, he's, he didn't do that, and, it, and he's not going to do that. So there's a big difference here between the two Martes, the Marte Parte at the top of that Arizona lineup. I think you have to take – I think Starling has to go ahead of Kettle. Do you agree? Oh, I love the Marte Parte. Um, Starling has to be selected over Cattell. I, I fully agree with that. But if the question does come down to which is the better value comparative to what the market is telling us, so let's throw the ADPs at you here. I'm going to pull the NFBC ones for you from what would have been the original opening day. Starling yes, Marte's, Starling Marte's ADP on that, just from that day till today, is 26th overall. Cattell Marte's ADP is 35th overall. They're relatively close. Using the ESPN ADP, which cuts it during a seven-day span, Starling's is 28, and Cattell's is 38. So they're both okay. nine, ten spots apart. But you don't rank them that way. You, you don't rank Cattell Marte that well at all, mm. which, which I think is a little bit odd. That's why I thought for sure you would have them on your regression list. You have a much bigger uh, difference in ranking on the Martes than I do. What do you have? How far apart do you have them? I don't know, but it can't be as far as you. You have you have Cattell, you have Cattell at forty three. I, I have I have twenty spots apart. Yeah, that, that's too much. I don't agree with that. I think the twenty. I think that it's somewhere in the fifteen to twenty spot range. Okay. Well, no, let's uh, see. Let's see where you have them. I'm I'm curious. I don't even know. I can't even find them. Fifteen spots for Eric. All right. Well, it should be less. It should be for me. It should be less. But, but I, I think that if it is 15-plus spots apart, then I'm going to swing things to I'd wait and take Cattell. But given the choice, if they are valued similarly within 10 spots, within a round, I, I want the better player. I think Starling's the, the better player because, as you mentioned, the steals. Yeah, that's the problem. There's not enough guys stealing bases. And, he, and even some of the guys that are stealing bases aren't stealing what you think. If you take Whit Merrifield in round seven, you better hope he steals 25 bases in 2021. I'm not so sure he will because he didn't do that in 2019. Yep. So, you know, you take out Alberto Mondesi early, you better hope he stays healthy. They're projecting him as a guy who's stealing a lot of bases but not walking. That's really dangerous when you combine um, your risk of injury. You know, That's we could have put him we, – we could have put him in our conversation of Aaron Judge. Aaron Judge versus Alberto Mondesi. I think there I might take Mondesi as being more brittle at this point. Ooh, that's a great – Kyle, that would be a great poll, uh, Mondesi versus Judge. I'm curious. Or who scares you the most? How do you want to work? Oh, that'll be Judge. I think Judge will scare people more than Mondesi will. Well, that's because Judge is being taken earlier in drafts. I think it's also because Mondesi's steals are more precious to fantasy managers. How about this? Who plays in more games the next five seasons, Judge or Mondesi? Wow. That, that should be the question. You good with that, Tristan? Because I don't even know what I would pick. I, I think there I would pick Judge, but that's how scared I am of Mondesi. I think I would pick Judge, too. I, I Yeah, that's a good debate. That should be the question. We shouldn't do the same thing we did on Monday because it was so lopsided. But the point is, like, Judge versus Mondesi, and how many games the next five years? I think that's a really good one. Yeah, that's I, I agree. I probably instinctually I'd take Judge and and I'm I'm gonna just get called out for having the bias here. No, you no, know, I don't think you will. 
the the thing the takeaway to me from Monday's debate between those two was and you I think you yeah you raised this on the show when the the judge setback first happened you said he should be labeled more injury prone than people out there believe and you were dead on on that and apparently people have adopted that feeling that he is riskier than we thought all right what else that was the last question that will be on the poll at kyle sappy espn we'll get it going we'll take it back for uh for monday's podcast and see what the results are you think it'll be close you you both leaning judge is that what i understand i think it'll be Far more judge than Monacy, which tells it's, you something uh, right there. Yeah, it's, it's, so it's going to be most games next five seasons. Next five yeah, seasons, I bet it's like 75-25 judge wins that. I, I think Mondesi is going to win this because I think people want to embrace Mondesi as a fantasy superstar. I'm okay. guessing. I'm fully guessing. I, man, I mean, the fact that he's still – that shoulder – Still a problem, and it should be a bigger problem for Judge with the power. But like when the Royals told Mondesi to stop sliding head first, I'm like, why is he even playing? You're in last place. Why is this guy playing? It would risk his future. That's just dumb. This is dumb. All right, enough. I've ranted enough. Let's answer the trivia question. What yeah, would, we, uh, got we, two, we, we got two of them to answer, and I cannot. First of all. I can't believe that I didn't know the answer to Tom, the intern's question, and you got the year wrong. Because I was at the game the day he got traded, and if you had said it was he was traded to my team, I would have been a little bit more wrong. I didn't say he he was traded in 08. I said he he was traded traded near before. He was two years before. Okay, well that that's what I meant. I mean, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't specify. <laughs> I know. I'm just, I'm, I'm being nitpicky. <laughs> I'm sorry. They, they, they made a playoff run that year without him. Which I think yeah. is telling. I remember that day of that trade. I was at the game. It happened during the Yankee game, and I was so thrilled because you guys got nothing for him. You know why? Because they wanted to dump him. They didn't want him in the clubhouse. That's it. He was it's a Bobby fantastic Abreu. pickup by the Yankees. Oh yeah, he's a good statistical player. Um, all right, so that was a good question there by Tom, Tom the intern. Great question. Um, what was Tom. what was your question? So my question was, I want you guys to name the five active players who have on their resume a season of 125 strikeouts in relief. The K's had to come in relief in that. I don't think there's any chance I get one of these. Well, you know Josh Hader, so that's one. Correct. Yeah, because he's done it the last couple that's, of years. That's the easy one. They get a I, little I, tougher. I, I'm, I have a couple, but Kyle, you go first. I don't have any guesses. Fire away. You come on. I don't. I I've, I've been thinking, and I'm just going to like ninth inning guys, and that can't be right because those guys aren't going to throw enough unless they're striking out two an inning. I assume Craig Kimbrell's done it. Craig Kimbrell is the next easiest. He is number two. Now both Hader and Kimbrell have two of these years apiece. So the remaining guys have one. No. One of them has done it three times. That, the, that's got to be Dylan Batances. That is Dylan Batances. Oh, well done. Yeah, because yeah. you, you got to think of like he had a monster run there of like four, five seasons where he was striking everybody out mm-hmm. and not getting saves. Mm-hmm. And his so name that, deserves to be in here because he could be in a relevant role for the Mets. Going to our point about the durable, well, not durable, but the multi-inning dynamo relievers. All right. The last couple, I, I have a couple guesses. Well, go for it. I don't, I don't think, I don't think Liam Hendricks got there last season. I don't think Kirby Yates got there. 
Um, but I had this guy the year I think he did it. Corey Knable did it. Well done. That is one of the tough ones, wow. Corey Knable. And that speaks to your point about Josh Hader is not, quote, safe. Exactly, because Knable is there. <laughs> and so. Knable could fit the ninth inning role, keeping his workload in check and allowing Hader to expand to any key spot in the game. Right. The last one is very, very difficult, and I could give you guys a hint if you'd like it. Uh, yeah, sh- uh, sure. He did this by volume. Well, I assume. <laughs> I mean, yeah, we're no. Innings? Yes, he pitched a lot in relief. So it's like Ryan Yarbrough? Correct. It is Ryan Yarbrough. I was going to be my guess, but I didn't think he'd count his relief if he was starting. He got was- but he got 125 plus strikeouts in 2018 only in relief. Yeah, that's. I was thinking because he was pitched like the second to the fifth inning. Yep. And I was thinking that guy like that. I, there were other closers on my mind, but yeah, that was that's a good question. Mm-hmm. And you're it's, right. It's a in reminder respect, to people that these guys are going to matter this year. Yeah, that's a lot of strikeouts. Well, I don't know if they're going to matter this year because over 50 games, I'm not even sure what's going to matter. But because you almost have to manipulate your, your stats you're using, Tristan. Like one of the stats in a 50-game season almost has to be innings. And at bats or PAs. Like – it, like, we should change the stats. We can't do that on ESPN. Nobody's going to listen to us. But, like, if you and I were in a league, like, say we were doing a show league, I would change the stats to some volume-based things that would matter. Innings pitched for pitchers would matter because you would want a guy who is going to pitch, I don't know, right? I, I mean, no, like, I see your point. I do th- I do think that there's going to be a premium placed upon outgetting, in which case innings pitch does matter. You're, yeah, I think you're on to something there. I also think we should lean a little bit more points heavy in a shorter year. I agree. I do not want – I do not want Billy Hamilton deciding stolen bases in a 50-game season because the Giants have nobody else to play in center field, and he's going to steal 30 bases with his 280 on-base percentage, batting leadoff, which is an embarrassment. I do not want that to happen in a 50-game season. So I'd be much more willing to go points than Roto. You know what? I hadn't even thought about any of this until just like 30 seconds ago. But in a shortened season, I would change the categories and I would go points instead of Roto. How about that? This is the fun of the show right now, that we can yeah. come up with these thoughts just off the cuff. I like and it. We and we, we could talk more about that on Monday's show. But yes, yeah, I'm going points instead of Roto. Don't you agree? Like, how could you have a roto league for fifty games? You can't. No, I do agree. I, like you, I hadn't thought about it, but where's the cutoff for you? Is that eighty games? Is it like? I mean, at this point, we have to assume everything's kind of on the table as far as game counts go. We can't assume fifty. I'll tell you what. Um, I'm going to be there already. We're not getting eighty yeah, games. I think. I think we're. I'm there already. I agree. I'm with there you. already. There's, there's. There's no way they're playing baseball in May. And um, I don't even know about June. So to me, I'm already there. I'll play points over Roto. And um, yeah, I think that's what's – and by the way, I won't do any more drafts right now for the 2020 season because I'm thinking it's it's just a kind of a waste of time. So I'm going to wait until there's actual – they tell us it starts on July 1st. That's – I'm trying to lean in that direction as well where I can. And I think that the – the number where everything tends to even out and makes things the fairest for all formats is probably 120 plus games. Yeah, I was thinking around 100, but I don't even see half a season at this point. Okay. 
if you drafted a roto league already, last question, sorry. Would you want to petition your league to redraft that league? Should we get a start date and change it to points and change the whole draft? Um, if I was in a league that had already drafted, I would be fine with that. But it'd have to be voted upon. Of course. You got, tw- you got 12 teams, you need seven votes. I Your think, I think it'd have to be unanimous. Wow. Okay. Unanimous. I, I, We've already started the yearly process. That is legitimately changing the rules. I mean, I have a league where we did the first three rounds, and I emailed the commissioner. I'm like, why are we doing this? They're going to stop playing. Like, let's wait until they start playing again, or at least announce a date. He was like, that's a good point. So we stopped our draft after, like, round three or four. I'm not even sure who I took and if they're still relevant if it starts in July. So you're right. It probably should be unanimous instead of instead of just, you know, seven out of 12. That's a good point there. In your, in your case, with four, I would scratch it and start it over, though. But I mean, we also we also kept like five players. So, but I'll ask you this because I, I was asked. My brother actually asked this. He's in my keeper league, the one I mentioned a lot, the twelve teamer. Uh, whether we should roll back the keeper lists. This is the one where I mentioned that there's a free agent process and somebody locked Luis Severino, and then somebody subsequently kept Chris Sale. Right, right. We've done those parts of the process. It's going to be too hairy to try to roll things back. Yeah, but I think that that would take a vote as well. Yeah, yeah. Good question. And you know what? That, like our best points of this the whole podcast came at the very end. Let's let's bring that up again. No, that's a good point. I mean, I, I hadn't even sure. thought about that. Why? I'm, I'm not playing in a roto league if it's a two month season. All right. Um, this is a long show. Thank you so much for those who are who are listening to our show. I mean, we're trying to have fun, talk baseball. We're trying to be optimistic at the same time um, because, like, we're using like a a Skype or something product. I get to see Tristan put on his socks. Every show. Why do you wait until we're here to put on your socks? You're in your basement, dude. I don't get it. And now he's dancing and looking silly. And uh, I'm all for that as well. But uh, we're just trying to have a little fun on some dark days. Um, Anyway, that is our show for today, April 9th. Thank you so much for listening. Please take this seriously. It's going to start getting worse in some places like Philadelphia and Washington. And I am not. Look, I ran like five miles in my neighborhood yesterday, but I'm not doing anything dumb. I'm not going out to restaurants or, you know, you got to take this seriously. Um, anyway, for Kyle, who does an awesome job producing, researching, being our pal. For Tristan, who's awesome at everything except putting on his socks. I am Eric. Please have, please have an awesome and safe weekend. Be safe. <laughs>